Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest Podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So, sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. Back to a fun-filled adventure of the Way of Kings on our continent, Roshar, planet Roshar, and system, planetary system, Roshar. Fun fact, if you didn't know, all three of them are called Roshar. <laughs> Fun fact indeed. I did not know that. Yeah, I figured you'd enjoy that. What happened last time? Well, actually, first, as uh, I always like to skip ahead, how was your week? I've had better weeks. Yeah. Uh, I was about sick. Well, I wasn't about sick. I was sick for about 10 days. Yeah. So the last episode, you sounded like a drunken rat who was resurrected, killed again, and then brought back to life one more time just for good measure. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe a round or two of that all over again. But yeah, it was a, it was a really bad cold. Um, I think I mentioned last episode that I, I, it was got so bad, I thought it might have been COVID, like a bad case of COVID, got tested, everything came out okay. But after the episode that we recorded last time, after, after the last episode, the last recording, I went and saw a doctor because it came back with a vengeance, whatever this bug was, yeah. and he gave me antibiotics. Just a really bad cold. That's it wasn't rough. fun. Yeah. But yours. You went to the trade show. I did. I went to the trade show. I lost some money in Vegas. That was fun. The trade show itself was great. Great showing. One of the events that I threw had over a 90% attendance rate, which was cool, which is kind of unheard of. So pretty proud of that. Company's happy. I'm happy. So it's it's overall a win-win. A lot of work. A lot of work to get it done. But uh, met met a lot of cool people, too. Just kind of in my element. Just chatting with folks about their company issues and humaning, but feeding them and giving them uh, drinks and uh, schmoozing as was as one does. So there you all go. in all a good time. Yeah, man. That's the fun part of the trade shows. Putting them on is a, is a bear, but once you're there and you get a chance to walk around and meet people, schmooze, that's where it's at. Yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Got back at like midnight the other night. And, well, like, I wasn't sure we were getting back because there was a snowstorm coming in my home city. And, yeah, it was uh, it was a whole thing. But we we landed. The plane landing was pretty rough. It was, like, rough enough that I thought, you know, we might lose a wheel here. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it was, I think, one of the um, instruments ended up not updating enough or something. This is just my assumptions and guesses because we hit the ground with a huge thud. I mean, I guess it could have been the ice, but I don't... We didn't slide forward. We hit the ground. So... Yeah. Peculiar. You know what they say? The fall is not what's scary. It's the the sudden stop at the end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was on a flight once from your town. I think it's one of the times I came out and saw you almost... 13 years ago now or something. Yeah, it was a while ago. Flying back, 
into LaGuardia around, uh, well, around over Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. it was just an ungodly, ungodly amount of tr- turbulence. Yeah. To the point where I, I made peace with my God because it was, I was being thrashed in the seat. It wasn't just, oh, my Coke is vibrating on the, <laughs> on the, you know, table in front of me. Like the Coke flew up in the air and over, over a couple of seats. <laughs> there were, yeah, yeah, it was just, uh, it was Sounds like pleasant. the bed that I slept on in Vegas when I put a dollar in. Yeah, it was worse. It was worse. <laughs> it was worse. As always, because I live in a, in a Seinfeld episode, I feel Same like my now. life sometimes. Is that uh, there's a, a group of business folks, like a company, flying with me. So it's me, a couple of randos, and about a dozen people from this company. And there's this one guy and one woman, and they're chatting it up. They're I think they were a little uh, a little drunk. They're they're having a good time. They're yapping it up, and he the guy says. Guy says he's like, oh man, my stomach's all all messed up. It, it feels funny, and she goes, oh well, I know what that is. Um, that usually happens right before you die, and everybody's kind of oh, like, yuck, 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 right? And not thirty seconds later, not not even a joke. Could have been oh, fifteen boy. seconds later. This thing started, and it started <laughs> rough, and nobody talked. After it ended, well, it was she, probably, she wasn't making it. She wasn't laughing then. Nope. Nope. And so this thing lasted probably about a good 10, 15 minutes, this turbulence. And it was, like I said, horrific. Um, and once you enter Pennsylvania, it's another like hour and a half to LaGuardia at least. And so it started right around, you know, the first uh, leg of Pennsylvania. And so 15 minutes in. So let's say. Another hour to get to LaGuardia after this, this, whatever this was ended. It was the quietest ride ever. (laughs) Nobody said a peep. (laughs) And, um, you know, listen, it is what it is. I, I wasn't happy that I might fall out of the sky, but I got nothing to worry about. And so I just, you know, asked for a bourbon and closed my eyes. Because I like you still your nerves, you know. It's not like you know. Oh, hey, yeah. Like I'd like to fall out of the sky from thirty thousand feet without a parachute. How did you but, drink your bourbon when you were shaking like you had Parkinson's? Oh, this was afterwards. I wasn't oh. like in the middle of this. I'm like a barkeep or you know, yeah. Okay, that, I thought it was ringing. in the middle of it. No, heck no. No, no, no. Everybody was strapped down, or you know, well, the, everybody was strapped down, but still flying around in their in their seats. But once it was over. Like I said, it was quiet. Nobody was talking. the The couple that you know yammered on and made all the all the funny all the funny yucks, they weren't talking anymore. And I just closed my eyes, man. I was like, "This." Which airline this were you on? Uh either Delta or United. I fly Delta ninety eight percent of the time, so it's probably Delta. Delta and United both have direct flights to LaGuardia, so, so it was most likely Delta. If I'm flying United, it's because Delta doesn't have a flight during the time I need it. I just prefer Delta. Yeah, Delta's pretty good. The plane incident that I just had was United. Yeah. So do with that whatever you will. Yeah, here's the funny thing. I have a buddy who swears by United, has the United Platinum MasterCard, whatever, you know, with 5 million miles on it, and he swears by it. H- hates Delta with a passion. 
For me, it's the opposite. I've been flying, you know, all my life. 90% of the time when I fly Delta, no problems. And if there are, they always take care of me. I've been stranded. I've been canceled on. Everything that could go wrong, including really horrible customer service, has gone wrong on United for me. Well, so it's, I think it's just one of those things, right? Like some people prefer Uber because they have always had a good experience. Others swear about Lyft or vice versa or pick your poison, I suppose, in, the, in, the, in this discussion. So what you're telling me is that you got picked. The airline picks you. You don't pick the airline. Maybe. Is that what I'm saying? Is that what... Uh, that's what I oh. heard. You. If, if United no picked your buddy, but United doesn't necessarily treat you pretty super well, but Delta picked you, it's, so we're their pets. I'm going to pick these. I get fine. Me I will. The time. Uh, I will. I'll, I'll it's funny it. in my head. No, that's fine. I get it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Your laughter is uncontrollable. Well, yes. Yes. It's, it's very... <laughs> so what you're saying is that the airlines it. pick you. Yes. I still can't laugh. It's it's funny, uh, but I'm, it's right. not. Sometimes you know how you, it is. Like we know each other too well. I'm not gonna... if 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 uh, just for the for the audience. Sometimes if you say a bad joke, uh, and it doesn't get a hit, you wait a second and then you repeat it. And people go, "It wasn't funny the first time," and so the the attempt is the funny part on the second one. Yeah. So here, I, a, I have a joke for you. I'm running a podcast soon, all about humor. Uh, I'm gonna insert my laugh tracks. Yeah. And, so here's a joke for you. Well, I'm not done telling my joke about the, you know, the thing. <laughs> I'm going to use the laugh track. Yeah. I got a Margaret Thatcher joke for you. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. So, Margaret Thatcher, it's been said of her that she has said this following phrase mm-hmm. If you want something said, you ask a man. If you want something done, you ask a woman. Now, my question to you in the audience is What if you want nothing said and nothing done? Who do you ask? A child. You ask a cat. That's it. You knew it was coming. Like you knew this was coming. Like you didn't. Mm-hmm. You, did you actually think there's going to be like a decent punchline there? Mm-hmm. You're looking at me. I'm looking at the video recording. You're looking at me mm-hmm. like, like you're disappointed. But you should have seen it. Oh shoot! I didn't click live. I've been clicking these. This is so dumb. I mean, there's like a media thing on this uh, platform we record on, and so it was playing the audio for me. But it was mm-hmm. not playing the audio live, so so no laugh track, no 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 drum roll, no laugh track, no drum roll. Oh, man, these were so, those were like really good moments here. Just <laughs> that one should be live. So all the laughing, I can hear it. Yeah. So Margaret Thatcher's cat. Yeah. Well, well, screw that up too. <laughs> well, it takes one to know one. <laughs> it does oh man does. all right let's uh so, tell me about my old friend blackthorn are we uh are we doing a little recap of last week or are we just diving in yeah give me the recap give me the give me the old one too all right so last week calden had a vision he was in the storm he was the storm um he heard voices in the storm, somebody mm-hmm. named Odium is ruling, and Odium. that's why there are wars and rumor of wars and a lot of killing. Caledon began training his men in the chasms. We read about how Caledon was betrayed by Amaram. His men was killed, killed in front of him, and his shard blade 
and shard plate were stolen from him after he killed a shard bearer. That's so rude too. Like, just to I, yeah, I know rude to light, light, putting it lightly, but it's it's, you know, when you went, if he would have taken it himself, you can't take that away from a man. He's got the shard blade. You come at him, you try and kill him and his men, he'll slaughter you. He's got the shard blade, but because he gave it away, the yep. he he. he he could. So yeah, remember we, we talked about how Kaldan's a lot like his father and kind of bad luck follows his father around. I don't want to call it bad luck, but what did I say? I forgot how I said suffering. it. Suffering. Yeah, suffering follows him. Suffering kind of follows him around. He can never catch a break. I think that was my uh, my wording. And here's the same thing. You think, or at least Kaldan thinks he's doing the right thing, but even here he's kind of, you know, he's kind of down in the dumps. And all right, admittedly, he just saw his men die. There's a lot going on. He's processing, so I don't want to just, you know, chalk this up to Kaladin's, you know, weekly melancholy uh, fit. But he kind of did it to himself. Yeah. Yeah, he did. In the same vein um, that his dad used to. So there it is. Then All right, back to the else? recap. I what interrupted you. Back to, back to the recap. Yeah, what else happened? Oh, Yasna comes to visit Shalon in the hospital. Shalon's on suicide watch. She lets people think she did commit suicide because it's just easier to, you know, explain why she has the soulcaster. Yeah. And y- Yasna kicks Shalon out, ends her wardship. And then we get, we had three uh, interludes. And the most important one for uh, for us, because we kind of get a glimpse of it, and this week is Zeth. While I'm reading your notes here, it's back to his old ways, mm. smashing swords into faces and, you know, cutting down uh, soldiers and apparently civilians too. Um, so indeed, he's uh, he's assassinating a king, and he, although it takes a little bit, he does kill his mark, all the marks, because apparently his his uh, all the marks. His, his new his new employers say just kill everything you see. So he yeah. killed everyone he saw, and that brings us to chapter fifty-two, Truthless of Shinovar. Yeah. Truthless McStabby, we're here. Truthless McStabby. So, what? Uh, tell me about Dalinar. What is Dalinar up to? Well, as we uh, get into chapter fifty-two, Dalinar is telling Adeline, Adolin, that he intends to abdicate, which Adolin does not take well. No. And in the middle of all this, he has a vision of the day of, correct my pronunciation. Recreance? Yep, the Day of Recreance. The Day of Recreance in Feverstone Keep. Uh, uh, yes. Yep, Feverstone fantasy Keep. names are, are, are fun. Uh, so this is apparently when nine of the ten Radiants abandoned their sharp plates plates and blades. Yep. And killed some Spren, their Spren. So apparently there's a different kind of Spren. Mm-hmm. They were all killed. And apparently this... Vision is the one that kind of gets Navani and Adolin and the other son sort of on the path to him seeing that their dad is not completely insane or not insane at all, that these visions might have something, that these visions might be important and they're not trivial and they're not just, you know, the ramblings of an old man. Yes. Yeah, so what else happens? Oh, Delnar attends a feast. Wit talks to him and tells him that Sadius has something to share with everybody after the feast. And then we get, well, the first time readers, it's revealed that Wit is actually Hoyd. 
I thought that was kind of cool. Mm. So we, we figure out who Hoyt is. He's Wit. Uh, so Wit talks to Delinar and pieces out. Now, this is interesting. Sadius does announce something important, and that being that the strap of the king's uh, horse seat, horse seat, I can't even speak English, saddle, his saddle, the, the strap to the saddle was cut, but that Dalinar is probably not the suspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I stand by my assumption from episode two, I think it was, where I say that I think it's the king himself who cut the strap to get attention. Hmm. Because it's revealed that this was in the king's stables, but the stable boys are utterly confused and don't know what's going on and deny it vehemently that they didn't do anything to it. But I Yeah, think but it's someone a... probably paid him off, right? Like Who knows? You Yeah. I, I just I just don't buy it right now. All right, fair enough. And I don't fair buy enough. it for the reasons, you know, like go but, back yeah. to episode two. I yeah, don't buy it for those reasons. Yeah. yeah, the the king is just a, a little child, and it would be just like him to pull a stunt like this, more so than somebody paying off some stable boys. I can't argue with that. Okay. Hard to, hard to argue with that. So what else happens? Del and Arcadius, they go on a plateau run together. They win. Uh, Delinar saves Sadius on that plateau run because Sadius kind of gets overwhelmed. Oh, Sadius, this was kind of like almost like a side quest in the book, but Sadius asks for a copy of the Way of Kings to be sent to him. So you that think that's be just a... to appease Dalinar? I don't know if it's to appease Dalinar. I think just like his sons and Navani, Sadius is, you know, might be just a bit curious. He wants to know what is going on. And if he's not, if he's not, then the other reason I think he might have sent for it is he wants to figure out what the hell's in this book that's driving Dalinar to do what he's doing. So it's either either case, it's curiosity. Mm. Okay, fair enough. So uh, Dalinar also grows a pair at the end of this uh, little uh, portion of the book and um, decides that, hey, Navani... uh, Navani, it might be okay to date Navani. It's oversimplification of the that situation. That is quite the simplification. But, totally discarding but, all of the proprietary states of being for the Alethi and the fact that Navani was his sister-in-law. But yeah, you know, okay, he can just date her. That's fine. Yeah, well, he grows a pair. And mm-hmm. I think something that's uh, that's been said is that the difference between doctrine and tradition, like... Doctrine shouldn't be ignored and thrown away for every woman fancy. Uh, Maybe tradition shouldn't be either, but tradition is is easier to. um, I don't want to say ignore, but it's 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 um, easier to debate, I guess. And I'm I'm not giving the quote justice, but it's something along those lines. Where in the book it said, doctrine is one thing. You should believe in doctrine. Doctrine kind of guides your life um but wait are you quoting from the way of kings uh from the book itself or from the way of kings that's mentioned the novel in the we're book? reading the novel we're reading the novel we're reading yeah hmm. i don't remember that part uh... well something like that it i'm i'm either overstating it or understating it or confusing with something else maybe i'll grant you that but i, rem- I remember something in this uh portion of the book where 
maybe it was Navani herself that said it, that the, the, she points to the difference between doctrine and tradition because Delnar is like, well, it's tradition, you know, that drives him oh, okay. not to not yeah. to take yeah, any yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, any course of action with her despite being attracted to her. And her response to that was like, well, this is not doctrine. This is tradition. Maybe I just extrapolated from that the stuff I just said. That makes more sense. But anyway, that's her buddy Delinar with his little adventures. Seems that way. Seems that way. So, for me, the high points were finding out who Hoyd was and that it's Wit, and finally <laughs> seeing Delinar and Navania. Navani, well, Navani's figure you know, it out. I guess confesses that she came back to the war camps because she feels useless. Yeah, and that she wants the big D. The big Dalinar? Yeah, obviously. Careful with your mind there, sicko. I didn't say anything. You looked at I me. did not say that. I understood that you were talking about Dalinar. Blackthorn. Mm. The big Blackthorn Dalinar. <laughs> See? Nothing, nothing I said is funny. It's the look you're giving me. Or. It's, it's that Russian. At all. It's that Russian with innuendo. Don't smear anything over here. Dalinar's getting some of that Royal Levin. The assassin whites at it again. Talk to yeah. me about talk to me about Sadius and Dalinar running a plateau assault again, but this time the second Parshendi army comes up. What's uh so Sadius puts himself in a position that allows him to get railroaded and surrounded by Parshendi. And almost killed. Yep. And almost killed. That sounds dumb. Why would you do that? Well Sadius has something to prove, I think, right? He's a shard bearer. He's an Alethi. He's a single shard bearer. He only has shard plate. He doesn't have a blade. Oh. Oh. Right. That's that? why this is dumb. Because well, that, that Dalinar has that's to... In... Yeah, Dalinar has to promise him a blade first to come with him. That Yeah, that's right. Like, wow, okay. I, uh... And so he's got a war hammer, but that's not... It's just like, you... That's poor tactics if you allow yourself to get surrounded. So is it pride then? I think Sadis isn't as good a strategy as he thinks he is. Not in the battlefield, right? No, 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 no. I mean, he clearly is not as good as a soldier as as Dalinar, or Dalinar wouldn't have the name the Blackthorn, because um, we know that Dalinar and Sadis and Gavilar all used to go to war together before Alethkar was a kingdom. Right, and Sadis. How do I say this? Sadius has no, doesn't see any value in life, right? So, like, take the Bridgemen, for example, or anybody else um, that kind of we've seen him interact with. And a person like that. Yeah, sanctity of life. Yeah. A person like that, usually that's not the only chink in their armor, right? There's one thing hides another, hides another, and it starts uh, unfolding. So if you are an unethical person in little things, you will be in big things too. And then as that, that is that as that's relieved, revealed, and Sadius is unethical in big things, like just using Br- Bridgman as fodder and, and as a distraction for the Prashendi, that's a big thing. That's not like a little thing. But those those things, as they as as more is revealed, that the, it reveals even a bigger character flaw. Like so, he's hiding something, right, or compensating yep. for something. And if if he's a horrible strategist, he has to compensate 
for that somehow. So if he's just going to throw bridgemen at the Prashendi, he doesn't have to strategize. Send in the bridges, distract the Prashendi, send in my men, kill some of them, get back. And if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't won a gemstone or a gem heart or whatever the hell they're trying to get in a while. Sadius? Yes. No, no, no. Sadius, Sadius goes on runs. He, he's run. He's won a variety of them. But Dalinar okay. hasn't won one in a while. Well, yeah, because he doesn't fight. Right. He doesn't go. Yeah. So there's a saying that a lot of business folks throw around, and to to go in line with what you were talking about, how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. You have a chink in the armor. There's probably other things there. Flip side. How you do anything is how you do everything. Dalinar, picking up the way of kings, starting to realize there's a little more honor to life, sanctity of life, and he's getting these visions, and he's like having these choke moments on the battlefield, which is not a great place to have choke moments, right? And he's Mm -hmm. like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't be killing these people, but I don't know why I feel that way. And then like, well, did we ever check their culture? I mean, some of these have beards and some of these don't have beards. Are some of these women? No, they wouldn't send women to fight, would they? Did we study their culture? I don't know. And so he's like asking these questions. And so the same same quote applies to both of them. How you do anything is how you do everything. And then Sadis is surrounded and Dalinar does what? Rescue He him. runs over to rescue him. He cuts across an entire battlefield, leaves his own personal guard behind. And if the Parshendi had some ropes... I think they've covered this. Uh, ropes are one of the ways that you can take down shard bearers easily as non-shard bearing folk. It, he would He's done. That's it. Captured. Slaughtered. And it isn't until he's like protecting Sadius that Adolin and the Honor Guard show up. But if they had ropes, Dalinar would have been done for. Yep. That's, a, that's, a, that's actually what I was getting at. And you said it a lot more succinctly than I did. It's Sadius, the way he does everything, or the way he does one thing is the way he does everything, right? Yeah. Um, so his approach to things is kind of unilateral, and it um, betrays, uh, betrays his character flaws. It does. It does. I want to transition over to Sadius, and it's, it's kind of like a sidestep. Sadius and Dalinar's relationship, do you think it's getting better or worse? That's an interesting question, huh? Well, it's getting better, at least in the immediate, mm-hmm. right? They are talking without 99% of it being quips against each other, or Sadius, actually, busting Dalinar's chops or insulting his kids. Um, so it seems like, at least in the immediate, Sadius thinks Dalinar should be um, kept close, maybe? Or he really thinks that uh, Dalinar is... Um, turning a leaf, and he's willing to uh, take on uh, take on Dalinar's uh, proposition. Hmm. Even though yeah. a couple chapters before, Sadius is busy. Well, he doesn't say Dalinar's innocent. He just says that it's unlikely that Dalinar was the person who cut the uh, the strap, which yeah. is different. Those are two very different statements. Like. Saying, no, 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 this person's innocent. And, like, vouching for them is a lot different than saying, well, inconclusive right now, but it's pretty unlikely that it's them. 
Those are t- two very different statements. Oh, absolutely. But is is he siding up to the king? Is does he have uh, political uh, aspirations? Is just serious politicking? Yeah, 100%. rhetorical question. All right, uh, okay. I'm but, the audience. Um, I'm just checking. Yeah. Well, I I think our audience is smarter than that. But uh, like I'm asking the question. Like obviously he does. So that could be to answer your question, then Jonathan. It, yeah. Maybe there's no friendship there. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's getting worse, and Sadius is just playing Dalinar. Seems a little dumb though to to but throw we have... yourself in harm's way and just kind of hope. So maybe it was an honest mistake on the battlefield. Oh, I don't think they... he threw himself uh, in harm's way on purpose to to, to draw to Dalinar check in. what to draw Dalinar like for, in and, for what and, and what honor. happens to test him. Yeah. See if he's see if Dalinar's really willing to die for his honor. No, I don't believe it. No, too much risk for Sadius. Too much risk for Sadius, and I don't think he would even think of that. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Like, what does that accomplish? I'm Sadius. Let's let's let's, let's unpack that. So I'm Sadius. I'm a light eye. I am who I am. Uh huh. Like, without like going into you know a 15 minute description of his character because we've been talking about him and those yeah. who have read the books understand who he is. Yeah. So I'm Sadius. Sadius. What what is the benefit? Like well like, for me, like to find out that Dal Dalinar is really honor bound. I know he's honor bound. I bust his balls about him being honor bound and you know, look into the old ways of doing things. So unless I'm trying to get him killed, which would be stupid if he's the shard bearer and I have a hammer. You know. <laughs> You're better off poisoning the guy, I guess, and then just right. going, so, going up afterward. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't see it, and I, I don't see it. Yeah, that doesn't prove that he's uh, on the up and up now, and all of a sudden best friends with Dalinar again. No, if he ever was, no. uh, they were, they were, they was a trio, like genuine friends. They were genuine. Yeah, friends. they used to conquer the countryside together, and that's not a colloquial mm. statement. That Gavilar, Dalinar, and Sadius used to, uh, and we learn this more as we go. I mean. They've alluded to it here and there in sentences, but it, to me, this is a non-spoiler. It's just they used to conquer the countryside before Elokar was born, before Yasna was born, and before Dalinar even got married uh, and had kids himself. Like they are the reason that Alethkar was united. They went and okay. slaughtered everyone. That's why he became the Blackthorn. So they all used to be very, very close friends, uh, blood brothers, if you will. Uh, because they they slaughtered the countryside together. Fair enough. So if they're that close, and the only thing, maybe a little bit more, but just for the sake of this point, the the thing that's uh, the, the cherry on top, or the you know the the call of the nucleus of Sadius's contempt for De- Delnar, is Delnar's refusal refusal to fight. If that's the only thing that puts off Sadius to Delnar. Then this uh, turning of the leaf here, then we're left to conclude that it's genuine. It's not that it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. I suppose and if Sadius, if, if Sadius didn't outright say Dalin, Dalinar is not guilty, but said it in a very political, you know, almost double, uh, double-minded kind of way, well, that goes back to him politicking. Does that make him? Does that make it right? No, but does that make him an enemy of D- Dalinar? Yeah, not necessarily. Time will tell, I suppose. 
The book is... Well, if, he's, if his visions are true, and we're supposed to trust Sadius... Yeah, what do you think about his visions, speaking of which? I'm going to be repeating myself, but they're getting more vivid. He's seen, uh, he's seen other aspects of um, the histories. It's not... Ju- and he's seen more um, critical information is being shown to him, more crucial events are being shown to him. But my, uh, I have no additional opinions or assumption on his visions. You think they're real? Hmm. You think they're fake? The, no, I think they're real. Like fake is in like he's losing his mind? Yeah. Or, or no, I don't think he's losing his mind. Do you think, be losing his mind. Do you think Kaladin's having the same style of visions? At at this point, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about our connecting piece here. Wit, Hoyd. What's his game and what what what's his game with Dalinar? Why is he giving Dalinar clues in on what Sadis is up to? Also, how does he know what Sadis is up to? If we're going to put to the side the idea that. Hoyd might have some sort of powers or a very keen sense of observation. Like, on a more human level, the he's the king's wit. He's always around the king. So it could be that Sadius, Sadius, that Sa- Sadius has mentioned certain things to the king and that wit has made a certain assumptions or made correct assumptions or the fact that Sadius was going to say something well what the hell's so novel about that the king and 10,000 other people might have known that but because Dalinar is running around you know digging latrines he didn't hear it mm-hmm. so the, I don't see any conspiracy there or anything out of the ordinary why wouldn't Wit know that Sadius might say something or might make an announcement okay what Hmm. What was your reaction when you learned that Wit and Hoyd were the same person? I was very pleased. I thought it was a, a cool twist. I thought that was an interesting twist because then this brings into focus. Well, it doesn't bring anything into focus because I don't know the details. <laughs> but it it opens up a lot of questions come up. Let's put it that way. A lot of questions come up because what we know about Hoyd, what I know about Hoyd, is that he's a world hopper and there's three guys after him, mm-hmm. which is very little to know. But if he is a world hopper and he has embedded himself with Roshar's most well-known family or the the strongest clan, the biggest family, the biggest kingdom, he has something up his sleeve. But we see him helping Kaladin and we see him helping Dalinar in, in this uh, portion and a, so whatever he has up his sleeve, at least for a first-time reader, at this point in the book, it seems like he's one of the good guys. He's trying to orchestrate a series of events. He's trying to move the chess pieces, so to speak. But from this vantage point, my vantage point, he seems to be doing it for a noble cause, a mm. good cause at least. What do you think on the on the Hoyd topic? So this is a good transition into Kaladin here. So Hoyd tells us that he has a an apprentice who is part of Kaladin's bridgeman. Yes, Sixel. Yes. So we get one other instance here of what a world hopper is earlier, and I scold you for this. 
in one of the earlier episodes because Rock's like, oh, you're a world hopper, or he's called, he calls it a world singer. So we get the confirmation from Hoyd, who happens to be the mentor mm-hmm. of Zigzal. Do you think, well, first first impressions on that? I didn't really make a, well, I made a connection, right? But I didn't think about it, because I'm processing it right now. What I mean by that is, like, as I was listening to that, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But World Singer, World Hopper, to me, I didn't make that connection until just now that he might be singing or, or talking about worlds, teaching about worlds that are not on Roshar. Got it. Right? Okay. So, yeah, he could be Hoyd's. This is me 30 seconds ago before you said anything. Yeah. So Sigzel is Hoyd's uh, apprentice, but Sigzel is limited to Roshar, and all his experiences are are limited to Roshar. At least it was in my mind. But if you're telling me now, unless you're just, you you know, screwing with me to throw me off course, which I don't know why you would do that. I mean, I know I would do that, but I'm not in this instance. But if he (laughs) is truly, if Sigzel is truly a world happer, and he sings or teaches about worlds outside of Roshar, well then, and he's uh, an apprentice of Hoyd, then Hoyd's definitely up to something because he's pu- putting Sigzel next to Kaladin and he put himself next to Dalinar as, as close as he could and it, and he's helping only those two. It's not like he's helping the king or Sadius or he's helping Teft or whatever. So he seems to be putting himself in close proximity of these two characters and if we're going to just let let it stand by it i mean what what's been revealed to me as a first time reader at this point in the book if we're going to get let all that stand as it is he's um playing a chess move to maybe save roshar save this kingdom save the so, lethe destroy so I, the lethe for their own sake for their own good <laughs> that would be funny I don't know. that'd be that'd be pretty humorous um it'd be very wit but the he, so I I would give you that he's probably putting moves in place to get close to Dalinar because he's the king's wit, so he's Elokar's wit. I challenge you to rethink him putting himself close to Kaladin because he didn't go find Kaladin. Far as we know, Kaladin wanders off, and Kaladin hears someone playing the flute, so he goes to look and investigate, and it happens to be wit. Right, like Wit didn't go to the bridgeman and go, ah, Zigzal, hello, da 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 da. Right, like Kaladin stumbled on Wit. Well, how so, did Zigzal get into the bridge crew? Well, that's a did great he question. Get captured? That's did a he great... get captured, or did he, did he get air quotes captured? He doesn't strike me as the type of person who enjoys being put in conflict-oriented places, based on one of the stories that he tells us. Before sure. we find out that he's a world. Well, would you do anything for your uh, for your master if you're a Sigzel? You're somebody's apprentice, and your your mentor tells you this is a thing you got to do. I mean, I'm kind of cornered by this question, so <laughs> yes. Because why why would he why would he be there? But my question is, Here's, if I'm going to give you another wit, okay, I'm going to give you another like heads up clue, right? So Zigzel is the main character of Secret Project Four which is coming out this year. No one's read the book yet. And he's not happy with Wit 
in the one chapter we get to read. Okay. Well, I wouldn't be happy with Wit, too, if, if I was made a bridgeman under Wit's uh, direction. Well, at this point, so, so Secret Project 4 happens after S- Stormlight 5. So uh, here's some more information for you. Um, spoiler alert. You're supposed to say spoiler alert before you give the information, huh? Too bad. Anyway, things happen between now and then, and I don't know if, well, I think if I recall correctly, the rumor has it that Secret Project 4 takes place after after Stormlight 5. Maybe maybe Sanderson said that himself, but we get to see Zigzal world hopping. He's on a planet we've never seen before, based on the description of things, or at least as far as we know, based on the description of things. And there's like definitely some commentary of being a bridgeman and being unhappy and being unhappy with wit. So, I mean, if wit was my mentor, it would probably be absolutely excruciating. Do you remember name of the wind when, uh, Kvothe is busy trying to learn from Elodin? Yeah. Do you know how frustrating it would be to learn from someone like Elodin? I can imagine. Yeah, that's how yeah. I imagine it'd be to be trained by wit. He's like, go walk toward the wind for 10 miles. Okay. And then you do it, and he's like, you didn't do it right. What the hell you mean I didn't do it right? You said walk toward the wind. That's what I did. So as funny as he is for us, I think being his mentee or his ward, I don't know if that's gender specific, but uh, being his mentee would be really frustrating. And I uh, I definitely think Ziggs is on to something. Now, is he currently disgruntled while he's in the bridge cruise? I mean, we don't see a lot of emotive moments from him. Yeah. Well, here's here's where my head is. So we, we are getting bits and pieces about Calvin. Mm-hmm. More than just, hey, he's a melancholy kid and his brother's dead. But like the storm light thing where he can now infuse stormlight and it's news to him so there's people like teft that picked up on something about kaladin so why not a world hopper who is making making all the right moves and trying to align all the chess pieces for whatever hoid slash wit is doing why not put one of your guys next to kaladin because well, fine, Calvin's walking around mopey because reasons, and he happens on Wit. Really? Mm-hmm. Or did Wit know that he's going to meet Calvin there? Okay. Well, I, let me ask you other questions. Yeah. Do you think that Zeth is a Knight's Radiant? How no. does How does Zeth have these powers? Being a truthless. So being truthless gives you powers. No, I'm asking you. If you're asking, like I'm. It's almost a rhetorical question. Zeth being a truthless, the question is, how does a truthless get these powers? Mm-hmm. Or is he not a truthless? Is he just is he playing a freaking a game? No, he believes he's truthless because he, okay. he he believes his superiors. However, he's confronted, and we'll see this more in the next section and a half uh, as the book wraps up, but he... He believes he's truthless, and he has to do so what all Hoyt these- So is Hoyd collecting the Knight's Radiant? What? Sorry. Is Hoyd collecting the Knight's Radiant, or another team, for lack of a better term, of Knight's Radiant? 
another cir- you know another mm-hmm. circle um the round table no Knights i'll, of the round I'll table. tell you no he's not doing that hoyd can't okay. be bothered hoyd can't be bothered with that okay so he he's then if you're telling me that if he can't be bothered with that what what is his deal with dalinar and Kaladin then he's doing something okay he's not creating the knights of the round table but you know yeah. he's getting two dummies to do something right yeah. At least in his mind, right? I'm not yeah, calling yeah, them dummies like as me calling yeah, yeah, them yeah. dummies. He's but, up to but, something. But one of the fun things about Wit as a character in the Cosmere as a whole is, uh, frankly, we don't, we as the reader have to collect all the pieces of Hoyd's appearance in every book that we see him in and put it all together. So your, your Hoyd story, I, and, and this is one of the fun parts that is Hoyd, the Hoyd story is scattered throughout every book that is part of the Cosmere. So that's um that's Hoyd. But what uh we're gonna we're gonna use this next part to transition from Hoyd to Kaladin. What did you think about the parable of Darithil and the Wandersail? Well um being that this was about two weeks ago, remind me of the parable itself. I remember the conclusion of it that Kaladin walks away from it more resound in his desire, I guess, if we can, if that's even the right way to say it in English, he walks away with it, away from the story, away from uh, his little uh, meeting with Hoyd, mm-hmm. knowing that it is his responsibility to finish what he started with the the bridge crew. Mm-hmm. So it's given him resolve, uh, may, maybe because now he. Why did he go moseying around, moping around in the forest? Is because uh, one of the other guys died, right? Yeah. That like Dunny dies in a horrible freaking way, um, and then another guy True. maps or somebody or yes, yeah. Yep. So two yeah. So the second guy when he dies, that's when Cal then goes uh, into the forest, right, or walks away from the camp where he finds Hoyd. Is um, that correct? That is part of it. He he's also walking away because he Teft took a swing at him from prodding. And in the midst of taking a swing at him, Kaladin blocks it, but he also breathes in Stormlight, which was Tef's whole point. And then Kaladin finds out from Syl that Syl's not a, a windspread. Yes. Hey, well, we'll, well get, we'll get. We'll, I was sending, yeah, I was saving that, we'll, but yeah, we'll we'll get to that because uh, we're talking yeah. about the Wander Sail right now. So he finds Hoyd because he's running around trying to get rid of his glowing aura that's emanating from his body, and he finds a man playing a flute, who happens to be Hoyd. And the story, this section, both with Kaladin and Hoyd and the Watersail, is interesting. And I'm going to tell you that in other books, we get Hoyd telling more parables, and it's really fun. Hmm. Hoyd telling parables okay. is a good time. So, Darithil and the Watersail. Darithil is uh, an older character known back in the day, and he was... He commissioned a one of the finest ships men had ever made, and he named that ship the Wandersail. And he grabbed a crew of the bravest soldiers and sailors, uh, sailors, and they brewed the high storms and cast off toward the west. And then okay, the Wandersail ran aground on an island because he was trying. Uh, Darithil was trying to find the origin of the Voidbringers, and he gets to an island, and it's an island of the Uvara people, and they are a very interesting people, and they lived in this thing called the Great Abyss, which was like um, kind of a 
the place the ocean drains. It's like a big, enormous whirlpool, like at the end of uh, Knights of the uh, Knights of the Caribbean. Wow, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Knights of the Caribbean. You know, my favorite yeah. Disney movie with yep. Captain Jack Kaladin and. I think it's a Pixar flick, but whatever. Yeah, it's a, it happens during a Star War, um, and Captain that again, <laughs> John Luke Potter, ends up following yeah. Gandalf the Voldemort back to the secret lair where Smog is hoarding the Jawas. Yeah. Yep. Don't at me in the all, comments. All that happens, <laughs> and then, yep. Don't. And then at they me find Ralph Fiennes' nose. Yeah. And then Sesame Street comes out and Lucy the Lamb sings This is the Song That Never Ends. Yep. All those things happened in the fever dream that is this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Darathil sees these people and nothing bad really happens here at the start. And he's not really asking any questions. They lived curious lives. Unlike people in Roshar who constantly argue, the Uvara always seemed to agree. From childhood, there were no questions. Each and every person went about his duty. And then, Darathil started to pay attention. And a kid tripped and they slaughtered her on the spot. That's it. Very brutal. And then they did it again and again. And they're just committing all these murders when someone messes up. And he's like, well, why do you guys do that? And one of the natives said, our emperor will not suffer failure. And eventually he can't put up with this anymore and he goes to the tower where the emperor is and he wants to know why these peaceful people are acting so terribly and they don't try to stop him. They kind of watched in fright, but as his men came out of the tower a short time later, carrying a discarded corpse with fine robes and jewelry, he's like, this is your emperor? He was dead in the top room for years, and nobody entered because they were too frightened. And they started wailing and weeping when they saw this. And he ran to the water sale and GTFO'd uh, because he was like, all right, I don't want to be here. I've watched what they do when they're normal. I don't want to stick around for this. And one of the Uvara joined them, and as they were leaving, he asked her, um, you know, why she's coming with them. And she said, if the emperor is dead and has been all these years, then the murders we committed are not his responsibility. They are our own. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I remember now. You brought it all back. So what was your question about it for me? What did you think about the parable of Darathil and the Wander Sale? As a standalone and then how it relates to Kaladin. As a standalone, you know, this is going to sound, you know, like a cop-out answer, but that's this all I got. As a standalone, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty interesting. It was just a like cool little story, right? Do you think it's As true? A... Do you think it happened in the world of the Cosmere and Roshar? Uh, maybe not Roshar. Maybe it happened in the world of Cosmere. If it's a parable, it doesn't really have to be true, right? The point of a parable is to not just tell a story, but the elements of truth it contains or the moral underpinnings of it is what's supposed to teach a lesson to the listeners, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's true or not. So it does happen. How it relates to Kaladin, 
How would it, no, I don't think it happens in Roshar. It does. It literally it, says it. It does? During the time of the Heralds and the Ray, the Knights Radiant. And he's going to find the Voidbringers. And the Voidbringers are what we've addressed that Yasna is probably researching. Right. Okay, see, so see, I, I forgot about... I forgot the details of the parable. I missed that. And it talks about high storms and things like that. So it does happen on Roshar. I think it's true. And, I, and the only reason I say that is because... Hoyd is a world hopper. He gets around to the most obscure places. Sigzel also is a world hopper and tells us stories of places that are happening in other planets and, and whatever. And this is just one of, to me, this is one of those fun world building things that uh, Sanderson does where he gives you a snippet of culture in a short, in, in form of a short story. So though that's my two cents take on it. I can't prove that. Uh, that's just like, my two cents. Anyway, back to you with Kaladin and how this is relevant. So I think the way the way Kaladin is um, looking at it, the way he's interpreting this, because he, like I said earlier, it gives him resolve, right, to go save the Bridgemen to finish what he started. So throughout Kaladin's life, he's always found somebody else to blame for his trouble, and most recently is, you know, the Stormfather cursing him or him being uh, over uh, overshadowed by bad luck, or however you want to write it. There's a curse on him, he thinks. And maybe the story of that, that girl who got on the ship who said, well, we did this. We can't blame anybody but ourselves. Maybe he, maybe what he's taken away from that is, everything that's happened in my life, you know, it's my responsibility. And there's some stuff, I'm now putting words in Kellen's mouth, there's some stuff that, has happened to me solely based on the decisions I've made. So I'm responsible for what occurs. And then he you know, decides that he needs to take responsibility and continue his training with, uh, with uh, his bridgemen. So there's no, there's no like right answer on the Wander Sale or the parables in general that Hoyd tells us because they're always so interesting with the details of the stories. Uh, there's one that he tells us about the dragon and the dog. I like that one a lot. That's in a different book, but it's, you know, he tells this parable about a dragon and a dog. And I'm not going to get into the details because it's relevant to other things that I'm not going to share with you right now. But the Wandersale itself, the moral is, at the end, they're responsible for what has taken place. They're accountable for their actions, even though they didn't realize at the time that they were accountable for them because they thought, they were they were enacting a greater good, if you will, from the emperor, and they found out the emperor is dead. Right, so Kaladin continually blames himself with this. I guess I'll call it survivor's guilt because he's like, I always survive and they always die. Right, so he's got this survivor's guilt, and and so I think the part of the implication here, and again, we don't get the answer to this, so this is kind of just speculation. The guilt this higher calling that Kaladin's like, why do I keep surviving? It's like, well, you didn't kill these people. You didn't cause Amaram to kill your men because you killed a shard bearer. Like, you can't be held accountable for the things that other people have done, but you do get to be held accountable for the things that you've done. And so allowing yourself to be ruled by this sense of guilt doesn't really make sense. And I realize it's a bit of a roundabout understanding of it, but that's how I saw it. It's like personal responsibility exists and that's fine, but personal responsibility becomes an idol when you you 
take personal responsibility for the results of other people's actions, which is not your fault, which is not your choice. I can't be held accountable for what a political figure does, even if it's my political party. That's not, I, you know, I don't have to agree with them. And I don't have to say, well, well, just because you, you believe what the purple team said, uh, and you're a purple supporter of purple politics, then you're accountable. It's like, no, I didn't make that decision. I don't agree with that decision. That's not, I'm, you can't hold me accountable for that. I didn't make that decision. It's not on me. That's on that person. That's on that group that, that chose to participate if I don't have power to control it, which Kaladin didn't. Kaladin had, didn't have the power to control Amram to stop him from killing all of his men. Kaladin didn't have the power to stop the soldiers from killing Tien. Kaladin didn't have the power to stop the Parshendi from shooting maps with an arrow or Dunny getting stampeded. He didn't have the power to stop those things. He did the best he could with what he had and it, the best wasn't good enough but you know anyway i i came to it a little bit differently but your your point is in, is i think more interesting because i focused on him kind of blaming other people a little bit for uh, his problems or getting angry at other people whether it's the boy that you know beat him when he was a, a child whether it's the uh, the light lord who sent him and tian into war um, Tian specifically, but him indirectly, um, and then him going on about how he's cursed because everybody lives and he—I mean, everybody dies and he lives—and so I, I guess our points kind of meet on, on on that little peak. But yeah, I looked at it from a little bit of a different perspective. But it, either way, the the parable kind of galvanizes, maybe regalvanizes, kind of gives him the kick in the ass that he needs to go keep doing what he's doing. Temporarily? Yeah, I think so. Rochon is the guy's name. Rochon, right. So, now that we're talking about Kaladin, what happened to Kaladin in this section? He loses two men. He meets with uh, Hoyd. He gets put on full-time bridge duty. Him and his men get put on full-time bridge duty because Brightness Ashal can't help herself. Syl reveals herself the, the the most interesting thing. She's not really a spren, and she has memories memories of... She didn't say she wasn't a spren. She said she wasn't a wind spren. Okay. Uh, so she admits she's not a wind spren. She has memories of binding something or investiture, whatever it is. And she says that Kaladin is changing because of his connection to her. Yes. That there's some kind of exchange going on with, with them being together, right? Okay, so she's not a wind sprint. Is she a sprint at all? Yeah. Okay. That's why I corrected you. Is she the type of sprint that was around during the days of recreants? Is that why she remembers binding stuff? Because she belonged to a night radiant? She, 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 but she does bind things. She was sort of around during the time of the recreants. Okay. So she's the type of sprint that does more than your average spren. I know that sounds kind of awkward. She does more than wind spren. Okay. Currently. I'm going to take this and say I called it that she wasn't exactly who she was. And again, maybe my assumptions weren't on the mark. Maybe they were about 60% off the mark, but... You'll find out a little more about Syl in the next section. But close enough. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, Kaladin does something interesting. We 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 almost missed this. Uh, I almost missed this. So in this section, Kaladin decides to put on Prashendi skin. Uh, carapace. 
the the armor, the bone armor, it's like an exoskeleton of a bug, right? Like the one that we, the when you crush a bug, you hear the cracking noise. Okay, now I'm a lot. Yeah, no, uh, no, totally. When you rip off. I didn't say I enjoyed it. I said when, when it happens, you don't kill spiders? You don't when kill bugs in your house? you're on animals. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, yeah, fine. I get it. So exoskeleton. Exoskeleton. Carapace. But yes. Carapace. Yeah. Yeah, so he puts on uh, prosthetic carapace. And, and bones. You, and bones. And using Stormlight kind of moves around in a similar fashion that Zeth does. Mm-hmm. You know, and avoids all these arrows because the Prashendi are losing their minds because he's desecrating their people's bodies. And so he draws all the attention to himself and allows his bridgemen to live and allows the other bridges to get to the chasms unharmed. And the battle is won and the Lethi are the victors. And he gets a little nod from uh, from Mr. Uh, Big D himself, Blackthorn. Um, no, I thought it was Sadius. Tedious. Now, because uh, remember, like a sharp bear comes and saves somebody. I think that's in a chapter after this section. It might be. Might be the chapters that I'm reading for the for next episode. But um, I think it is because it's not the first time that that happens. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because the first time that happens, he just you know, he surprises everybody, and uh, everybody's like, "Oh, holy cow! Wow, this is happening now." Mm-hmm. And then they have they have chasm duty right after that, and and that's it. They have chasm duty. Then I think Teft tries to get him to spar with the men, and Kaladin is a big old sour puss again and decides not to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so do you think we're gonna see Kaladin playing the flute regularly now? Because Wit gave him a flute. Uh, does Kaladin know how to play the flute? I don't. I don't. He said he doesn't, but Wit gave him a flute anyway. Well, yeah, he did. Um, maybe to pass the time, or maybe somebody else will be playing the flute while they eat rocks too. Mm, no, or he will no, learn because, to play the flute because Kaladin's like, or it's All a right, magic freaking flute. I'll give it to Sigzel, and Hoyt says, "No, you won't. You'll learn to play it." Something well, then he'll learn to play it. Some, I guess something like that. Because Kellen just does what everybody tells him. Uh, that's not entirely true. That's it's being facetious. It's being feces. What? Exactly. I was being. <laughs> I was uh, unloading feces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something else that you missed is Kaladin. So he gets the flute. He also yeah. whispers the first ideal of the night's radiant. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah. This is what happens when you miss ten days with uh, of of existence. Of existence and uh, you were in a, you're your own hopped ten, up ten day version of a high storm. My gosh, um, <laughs> yeah, like no, like I mean, I don't even remember that. Yeah, so Kaladin whispers the first, the first ideal. That's the word, the first ideal of the night's radiant. Do you know what it is? It's not. I will do better. No, learn my lesson. Life. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke people. Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. That's the first ideal for all Knights Radiant. Okay. Because there's and multiple when he, orders. Uh, when, when does he whisper this? It is when he's in the chasms, if I remember correctly, and then he ends up using rocks to um, stick to a wall, bind to a wall with Stormlight, and then he climbs up, and then Sil's like, cut the rope, I'll help you. 
And he's like, I'm not going to cut the rope 40 feet. And she's like, just trust me. And then he falls 40 feet, lands on his feet, and then Stormlight helps him heal the rest of the way. Oh, wow. So apparently 700 milligrams of Sudafed will erase <laughs> memory. Good grief. Um, uh, I, honestly, like, it's funny. So apologies to all involved. I do not remember that at all. Slava was out in the high storm, strung I up. I was in the high storm. But yeah. he survived. He's here. I did. The storm father has the, smiled upon me. The storm father judged you and saw you righted. Yes. <laughs> if he saw me wanting, I'd be uh, not here. So, um, yeah. Do you have thoughts on that? If not, I'll... I think it might be connected to him changing. However, he's changing this new new part of Kaladin where he's binding things and he's able to use stormlight. And it's healing him, and he is somehow connected, not by his own doing, but um, connected to maybe big movements happening in Roshar that might be instigated or might not be instigated by people named Wit and or Hoyd. So maybe this is just a, the other side of the, the coin of this. Whatever's happened to Dalinar has happened to Kaladin, but in, you know, it's different streams of happenings okay that's fair interesting 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 well let's uh let's land this plane we're about to hit the sander lanch next next time yes sir are you ready i am ready i'm on the first like four minutes of chapter 65 right now and i am gonna plow through what 68 uh, 69. Yes, 64 to 69. So, yep, that's next time. Can't And then wait. we are five, six, seven, eight chapters away from the, the end of the book. And the epilogue, then notes, and the arcanum, I'm counting them as quote-unquote chapters. Mm-hmm. We are almost done. Two, two or three more episodes to record, and we're done. And then we take a little break and dive into... Uh, Russian uh, existential dread. Yes. Gonna, and then American existential dread. We're going to rush in. Rush in and then finish with some American uh, cyberpunk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? What do you th- What do you think is in this next section for Dalinar, Kaladin, and Chalan? Final, final Rosharan prophetic utterances. Dare I say that this will be the crescendo of the book. So for, for our story, for our immediate story, for for this book, this is where it's going to ramp up. And this is, you told me this, so I'm, I'm not, this is not anything prophetic. So it's going to ramp up, but I think there's going to be a crescendo of uh, events where, the, where it's going to be a setup for the next book. Maybe some, maybe some, uh, some conclusions to certain things. Sure. Maybe uh, some... Other things will be opened. Other things will be closed. Mm-hmm. But, the, and I don't think crescendo is the right word. No, 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 crescendo works. Yeah, climax but crescendo. It, I, I think, you know, for lack of a better one, it works. But I don't, you know, whatever. They call it the Sander Lanch. And you told me what that means. I told Slava that he has to read 64 through 69 in a single sitting. Only, not because he actually needs to. And not because you as the listener actually need to. But it's hard to put the book down in that section between those five chapters because of what takes place. And so that's why you need to read the section together. So give us just broad stroke assumptions and, and 
prophetic Risharan utterances, what's going to happen in Kaladin, what's going to happen in Dalinar. Put put characters to events. You, characters you've already to got, events. You've already got your assumptions for other things. You think Elokar cut his own string, his, his leather thing. You think that Syl isn't a spren, which was just disproven. She's not a wind spren, so you're like half right. And... And, you know, this is another one of those episodes that has nothing to do with Shallan, so I need some Shallan assumptions. Oh, Shallan's going to be on her way home. Let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Because the ship is coming to her for her, and everybody's assuming that she's... Her ship has sailed, if you will. Has sailed into port. <laughs> her ship has sailed with Yasna, but another ship is coming to port to pick her up, and she will be picked up, and... Maybe have some difficult conversations with her brothers, who might not take it well. Might pull off her arm. She has maybe maybe Nambalat will rip <laughs> off some pinkies. I don't know. Bash some tails with hammers. Uh, whatever Nambalat does. Shalon's a, a a bit of a spazzy girl, but I don't think she would let that happen. No, maybe a year ago she would have taken it, but now yeah, after fair. what's, what's, I'll, what's I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. After what's happened to her, I think she um, she might be able to. If not take care of herself, at least she'll be more willing to fight back. So that's Shallan. She'll go, she's going to get on a boat and go home, whatever that's going to look like. For Dalinar, I think, I think, I don't even know what to think. I don't, I don't want to just uh, pull anything out of my rear just for the sake of Slava's assumptions because. You need to. I'm asking I, for it. You, you just, just out of my butt? Okay. So. We'll find out really soon what happens to him. So like. By making your accusations, assumptions, prophetic Rosharan utterances, whatever, uh, get to see how good you are at, at, at catching what the author's been writing and uh, foreshadowing, right? Like, right. you've read it, so you you have the the knowledge that every beginning reader has. Sure. But the and difference is, the difference is like having a, a, a second to think about it and go, all right, well, if this is happening, this is what I know about. Dalinar and just want to know about Sanderson and blah 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 and so on, but out of my butt, um, him and Sadius, their bond, whether that's true friendship or not, grow grows stronger, which probably will not look good to the king. The king might get his um his britches in a twist over that. He has to still figure out the tradition and the fallout from him and Navani becoming closer. So that's kind of a tame. Uh, a tame assumption, but that's all I have. Collecting the royal the royal taxes of the big D. Heavy's the head <laughs> that wears the crown. <laughs> Heavy's the D that wears the crown. Uh, you know what? Took you a second, but I'm 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 in on it. I'm okay. I'm here for the big all D, right. the big blackthorn. Big, big <laughs> the big blackthorn. If I can get it out of my mouth. <laughs> Pause again. Then for Kaladin. Well, if he's going to continue to be a sourpuss, and I think he is for a while. It seems that Providence is on his side, and not only because of Hoyd and his shenanigans or machinations or maneuvers, uh, but it seems because of who he is that he's able to now bind and infuse himself with Stormlight. So based on those things uh, alone, um, and Hoyd's is maybe a separate issue, but kind of connected maybe tangentially to my assumption at least. Um, Calden is pregnant. Is pregnant with ideas. I don't know, man. Like he, they're in the trenches, the chasms. Do they actually get away? That's been their goal and, the whole time, right? To run away. That's yeah. He's training them in the spear. So are they going to get away? 
I don't think they even get a chance to attempt to get away. And this is how Kaladin's going to be broken or molded out of the sour pussness. Mm-hmm. We'll make up another word. Yeah. Um, well, he'll he'll probably so, just do what he keeps doing, which is getting these bright lords promoted because of his ability to use stormlight. So, yeah, that, that's fair. Maybe that. Probably not. But I think I don't think he's gonna get out there. Bridge four is gonna get out in this book. If they do, I'd be very surprised. They don't. But I wanted to know your assumption anyway. Yeah. The way I see this happening is, Calden has some more lessons to learn. <laughs> You know, and that's just because that's... You're speaking so broadly. Kaladin has more lessons to learn. Ah, don't we all? Yeah. All right. Don't we all? That's what I'm saying. If I'm pulling it on my butt, I'm going to be a little bit more careful just now. What do you got to lose? Some some Um, kids on the internet think you're not cool anymore? Oh, it has nothing to do with that, but it's... Listen, I dress nicely because I like to dress nicely, Mm. not because I want to get my neighbor's approval. Mm. So same thing here. I want to make a good assumption... And not go hog wild. What did we know, learn about the wander sale? Because that's for me. Mm. Wander sale? What, what, what did we learn? Take responsibility. Mm. So what does that have to do with me not wanting to blather? <laughs> I'll let you much. And hey, run. you know what? Once in a while, something that our society hasn't thought about, maybe you should care what the neighbor thinks so you don't dress like a like a drunk hobo when you go outside. Oh, or maybe you man. should okay, speaking curb of your... That- Curb your enthusiasm when you speak, so people don't think you're an imbecile. That's that's not bad. No, that is that that's actually super good advice. I love yeah. being the stupidest person in the room because I feel like I learn a lot. And frankly, you can be seen as a lot smarter than you really are if you just keep your mouth shut. There's two yeah. things, two thoughts I want to end on that are adjacent. The first one is there's a song by this hip hop artist named Propaganda, and it goes something like, "Let me find it real quick. You'll have to edit this." So while you're looking, there's a good Jewish saying. He goes, it's better to stay quiet and be thought a fool than speak and remove all doubt. And being silly, like if you and I are being asshats and are being silly is different than just being a piece of shit and an imbecile without any forethought for what you're doing. This guy from this hip-hop, one-man hip-hop band, says in one of his songs called Don't Listen to Me, which I just, I you should check this song out. Propaganda, Don't Listen to Me. There's a line in that says, I know it's a much better decision to shut your mouth when you don't know what you're talking about than to validate what everybody already thinks of you. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. All right, so that was the first side thing to do with, to, to agree with what you said. The yeah. second one, what were you talking about before I wanted to give my last two thoughts? Oh, I was saying that, well, you were busting my chaps about yeah, whether or not I think... Uh, I sh- I think our young listeners will think I'm cool or not w- based on the assumptions I made. And I ended saying that sometimes you should care about what people think so you don't act like an asshole. Yeah. Like, there, there, there is folly in going. There is wisdom in not s- putting all your stock in people's opinions. Yeah. There's also folly in not kind of playing along with the sort of communal standards. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like backwards or bigoted to be conservative in certain things that you do and say. Not always having your mouth open and spewing everything that's on your top of your brain. I had a really good point that's to make. That's what I was I, saying. Yeah, no, I, yeah that's, a, that's a good reminder. I can't remember what I was going to say. Two side quests, and one of them was propaganda, and the other one, to be de- determined, to be continued? Nah, to be forgotten. To be forgotten. 
Okay. Well, next episode, Sander Lanch. Sander Lanch. And on that good note, on that, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> oh, oh, goodbye, good ass. people. Goodbye, good people. No, I already said it. No. Well, fine then. It had something to do with Kaladin and his depression. Hello, good people. Welcome back. <laughs> Goodbye, good people. And Kaladin and his depression. Uh, I don't know what I was going to Let's keep going. We're we're only at um, an hour and 37 minutes and 50 seconds. Yasna's pregnant. Well, we know that Yasna's pregnant. And it's Tefts. It is Tefts. Because, you know, hate him all you want. He's a big softy, and Yasna's a big softy. Oh, okay. All right. I, what do you think about Bridge Force? characters lopin rock i was gonna ask this earlier i forgot moash and lopin rock moash teft i like teft he seems like a grizzly old sailor right soldier in this case because i think he's old and smart and i think he might be a true believer a uh, moash he seems just like a your a typical character this is not, nothing against um uh, against brandison sanderson or his writing but typically young angry guy who wants revenge then the one-armed guy, he seems like the comic relief. So, like, the they seem right now, again, this is not an insult to Sanderson, but right now they just seem like your typical characters that you would find in the, in the band of six, right? I like them as a team. I think the way Sanderson had, has developed these characters is fun to watch him grow. And it's fun to get more and more glimpses into their lives. Rock, I could take or leave. Really? Yeah, I Ludemar? mean, he's a nice guy. Old horn eater? Old horn eater. I'm, I, I don't hate him. I'm just like, yeah. But you just, just learned rock. something super secret. He's actually super proficient with a bow. And he's a man after my own heart. He's a chef. But, you know, if we were all at a high school uh, lunch table, You're I probably would sit next to Teft, you know, more than I would sit next to Rock. I'll probably sit next to Rock when Teft is, uh, you know, in detention. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I I got nothing against the character. Gosh. All right. All right. Any thoughts on Lopin? Uh, land this plane. Uh, Lopin, uh, well, this is the third time I'm trying to land this plane. The fact that the, 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 a bridge crew has a one-armed dude is comical to me. But it works for Bridge 4, and it works for their development, right? It, it's it, They needed... It, development, I mean, like as as characters, characters. internally, yeah, not yeah, running. Like they needed him, yeah, because Calvin pushes the rest of Bridge Four to say, like, these guys, they're they're one of us. They're Bridge Four, and the other bridgemen, we should save them. We shouldn't let them rot and die in the in the battlefield. So I think these characters are necessary for Bridge Four's growth, like in coming out of their muck, because they're they're all. In in a world of uh, in a world of shit, they all came out, you know, out of horrible situations. They're bridgemen, which is horrible enough. The way they got there probably isn't uh, isn't fun. So mm-hmm. that's what I think about the characters. Teft is my favorite so far. I like him. Well, thankfully, you'll get a little more Teft at least in this book. Excellent. All right. Is it now? T- is it now time? This, this is when we we say goodbye, good people. Hello, bad humans. Because it's the opposite. Yes. Don't rush in me. I'm rushing. I, I'm going to curse your name. I'm going to make a little I know, uh, I know. effigy of you. You're going to write your own death notebook and just put my name in yes. it a couple times. Yes. But you're going to you're make gonna... an effigy. I'm going to make a doll out of you and rip your arms off and legs off it when I'm editing this. Uh, Do you episode. remember the name of um, the dolls from Name of the Wind? No. 
and you're going to commit malfeasance against me? Yes. Yes, I am. I think it was called a mot. Oh, I don't remember. That, that was so long ago. We still need to do... Now, and we've talked about this. Whatever. I'm going to end the episode. Yeah. Goodbye, good people. Goodbye.